Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen, top dragster, drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show, guys, girls. It is today is episode number 75. It is the third week of July 2021. The world keeps rolling on. We are in the middle of the heat of it right now. Good stuff, um, lots of racing action to talk about, but I do want to talk about a couple things that happened last week. First of all, I don't know that I hyped on this as much as I should have, and it is criminal as far as I'm concerned, but we did bring on, you guys know this, we brought on new presenting sponsor, AFCO Racing, and I could not be more excited. It is, um, they, AFCO has been a part of my racing program for a long, long time. Uh, radiators, shocks, springs, struts, headers, you name it. They have been a part of it. That is my go-to when I look for new parts. I count on them. You can count on them as well. Uh, based in Southern Indiana, God's country, we know this. They're, um, in great shape to provide the parts you're looking for quickly and they will help you get in the winner's circle. So I am very proud to bring those guys on. You've heard Eric Saffel, the president of the drag racing division, on here before. He is absolutely great and uh, excited to continue working with AFCO Racing for all the things that we need for our race cars. Secondly, um, we know that after last week, that the drag race track is, statistically speaking, the best place on the planet to be. And so at this point, I don't even think it's close. I think, um, you know, if we go to the racetrack, we know that we're in the best shape uh, that we can possibly be. It's certainly, in terms of ranking, it's certainly not Cuba right now. You don't want to be down there. Um, you don't want to be in Spain right now or even Australia both of those countries are getting locked down and being told that, uh, you know, they can come out of their houses, um, you know, in several months where sometime they'll, they'll tell you when. 
Um, that is an awful place to be. We are in the United States. That is great stuff. Um, you know, Cuba, Spain, Australia, those places are just a disaster zone right now. And that stinks for all those people there. But we in the United States get to go to a racetrack. And statistically speaking, when we talk about racism, we talk about sexism, we talk about homophobia, all that stuff, none of that exists in, in, in the drag strip um, to the percent that it does anywhere else on the planet. So statistically speaking, if you want to make your life better, just go to the drag strip. That's all you got to do. You just got to go to the drag strip and hang out and then you will get right with the world. Um, but I will warn you, you're going to have buddies. You're going to have buddies like the one that I got last week, which was me pulling up to a stoplight in my grocery getter, which is a newer Camaro SS, when my buddy sees in the lane next to me pull up a newer Charger or Challenger. I can't remember what it was. Um, and it was like... That scene in Better Off Dead a um, long time ago with Lane Meyer and the and the dudes trying to race him every time he pulled up to a stoplight. That's what it was. Those guys looked over at me. My buddy is staring back at him. I'm noticing that there's a cop shop sitting right there um, and that this was probably not a great idea. And yet that stretch of concrete in front of me was so straight and so perfect and so beautiful. And so when the light turns green, you know how that went down. You know exactly what happened after that. And, you know, as I looked in the rearview mirror, um, you know, we, we saw said challenger back there and we did not see the cherries of the state patrol officer. So that was all good. That worked out very well for all of us. Uh, just be careful. You're going to meet good friends who will try to convince you to get it done, even uh, if they're not at the drag strip. So, you know, beware of that slight twist in the matter of going to the drag strip at all times. Um, anyway, um, we need all those people in our lives, and that is great, great stuff. And that's probably why you've tuned in today. So, um, let me talk about more great people. I've got an unbelievable guest coming on for you today. You're not even going to be able to stand it uh, to wait until we get there. Joe Rubicek, he is a standout top sportsman racer, and I cannot wait to have him on to talk to him, learn about his story and his car. It's going to be unbelievable. So guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute. Clean the shop, work on the old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And guys, girls, it's been an interesting week in the solar system. Um, if you did not hear... There is a race going on with the billionaires right now. They are all making spaceships and trying to rocket themselves into orbit uh, for whatever reason. I, I don't know exactly the, the thought behind that, but it, it doesn't matter. They've got the billions and I don't. So they get to do weird, wild stuff like try to send themselves into outer space. And that's just what Jeffrey Bezos did, did this week. Um, Gates... All those guys, 
Elon Musk are trying to build this rocket ship now to get into outer space, which I think is great. If we could uh, have um, a couple spaceships um, races, I think that would be fantastic. I'd be all for it. But this, this is this is what caught my ear this week, and I didn't realize this, and it's shame on me, but uh, maybe you guys have. But in February of 2018, Elon Musk, we know, you guys know how I feel about Elon. I, I don't love his whole electric car taking over the world thing. I do not love that at all. He has uh, systematically tried to destroy a Bitcoin value all while buying it all up. So you know that's a pretty creepy play. Um, but he did what was maybe the best thing I've ever heard. And I'll just have to say this. In February of 28, what Elon Musk did was he sent a Tesla Roadster into space. He just shot that thing into space, and it's got a VIN tag on it that says, Made by Humans on Earth. That's the VIN tag. And I thought maybe that was the best thing I've ever heard from Elon Musk, um, that he sent a Tesla Roadster into space. And really, it got me thinking, and I thought to myself, you know, that's really the best place for all the roadsters. That's where they should all go. I would love it if every single roadster we had got shot into space and just were floating around the atmosphere, right? So we didn't have to deal with them here. We could send them all to outer space, shoot them up there, let them float around. You know, I'm, of course, like the next time Bezos or Musk and those guys... Uh, go to launch themselves they might have to dodge a roadster or something like that but it's fine i think that'll be fine they've got they've got uh you know systems to deal with that but i think the biggest thing is that if we had a bunch of roadsters floating around i think what that would do is signal to the aliens that hey they don't even want to stop on earth you know like you ever drive past a neighborhood that maybe the yard's not cut and maybe there's some junk stuff, uh, you know, laying, laying in the ditch. There's, you know, obviously things haven't been picked up. Nobody's cleaning there. There's just trash. There's muddled stuff around. You know, just nothing's painted. It's just kind of a terrible neighborhood. You go, no, I'm just going to keep going. That's what I think having a bunch of roadsters in space would do for the aliens. I think they would come down and they'd go, no, but like, listen, we don't want to stop there. It's just a mess. Like there's these, there's just these cars that are floating around there. They don't have any tops. They don't look like we, we don't even know what the heck they are. They're painted a certain way, but they're not race cars. They're not, they're not cars. They're, their tops are cut off. It's very bizarre. Like, let's just not stop there. Let's keep going and we'll stop at the next exit for your potty break, Mr. Junior Alien in the back seat. I think that's the better way to do it. I, that, so I think Elon is on to something. And I, I've never thought he's an overly relatable guy. Um, other than, to me, he married a hot chick with a weird name. And I thought, okay, well, that's somewhat relatable. But other than that, um, you know, I don't love it that he's trying to convert all our cars to electric. Um, you know, I don't love it that he manipulates the Bitcoin value just because he jerks around with it. And I do think he's running a huge Ponzi scheme that is backed by the federal government with all this Tesla um, development. So 
I don't love any of that. That said, he might be on to something. And if we could somehow get all the roadsters into space, I'd be for it. I mean, I'd be for it. I think it would probably stop, um, like I said, the aliens from wanting to stop on Earth and check things out. And that's probably good. That's probably good for all of us. So, you know, Elon, at least for today, in my opinion, Elon is the man. Let's send all the roadsters in space. Just, Just let me know how we might get that done. All right, let's put this thing in the beams. On with us now. He's a former Jags Top Sportsman All-Star Champion. He's a former two-time Division 7 NHRA Top Sportsman Champion. He finished number nine in the country last year, and he is again representing in the Jags All-Star Challenge. Welcome to the show from Niceville, Florida, Joe Rubicek. Joe, how are you today, my man? I am great. Beautiful sunny day here and enjoying the weather. I'm here in sunny Florida. Yeah, Sometimes you're in today. you're in Florida now, which is a little bit of a change, mm-hmm. right? Um, as I correct, I, I remember you made the the shift from the the west coast to the east coast earlier this year. Correct. I uh, decided to uh, move my racing endeavors back east and uh, concentrate on uh, racing PDRA a little bit more since I can never do that from the West Coast. I've gone to three races already with a PDRA, and I'm going to do a couple other points races and nationals around this area. Yeah, you um, you had a pretty strong run last weekend. Uh, I, I thought, you know, from just from the outside in, it looked like you had the car to beat. Um, and uh, and made it to the semifinals. So it sounds like that is paying off for you, that that PDRA uh, run you're making. Uh, I, I don't know if I had the car to beat. I know I had a super consistent car. Um, my car ran uh, between 981, 990, 60 foot all weekend long. My uh, 330 was stuck at 279 pretty much every run. And uh, I ran six 428s in a row, run completions and all that good stuff. But my car was dialed. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty impressive. And that that class, that uh, top sportsman class in PDRA was just, I mean, incredibly tough. But before we dig in way too much to that, I I think you have a you know a little more unique story even than most. So uh, I'd like you to fill the listeners in on you know, how you got started in drag racing, but I mean, even more so before then, where'd you grow up? Where were you born? Um, talk a little bit about that and how you, how you came to be a hot rodder. Okay. That's going to be pretty simple. Um, I was born in South America, Venezuela in particular. Um, my father had, uh, survived the Holocaust and somehow migrated to Venezuela. My mom was a traveling secretary for, uh, some, heavy-duty politician. I don't want to mention any names. But she ended up in Venezuela, met my dad. They got married. They had six children. I'm the number four of the six. Um, I was brought up in the States. Even though I have an accent, I I learned how to speak English first. I forgot English when I went back to Venezuela for a couple years and then relearned it, and I ended up with an accent in Spanish and an accent in English. (laughs) Um, My mom was 
my mom was for the Cal- from the California area, and I was brought up in Glendale, California. And my brother started street racing in 1970, and I ended up buying a little Vega in 1973 that we were, you know, street racing, and eventually got going too quick, and I thought I'd start racing uh, NHRA, and I started uh, in 1988. I started racing a couple of that divisional events, but in 1993 I got serious, and I've been racing NHRA since then. Since '93, is that what you said? Then that was uh, correct, pretty much. Yeah, um, and that that first car was a Vega, right? Yes, a little small block Vega. Ended up with a little bit of nitrous, which I stay away from. You know, we played a little bit with nitrous back in the early '70s, and eventually I, you know, started racing super comp, super gas, and you know, you drift away from nitrous and. Then NHRA, you know, followed suit from what the East Coast was doing, and they gave us the classes that are raced now, top dragster, top sportsman. Yeah, went um, so you were, you had the Vega, and um, and that was going that was going well. Um, but when did when did you decide to um, make the move to full time top sportsman? Because you've been doing that a while now and doing it at a high level. Yes, yes. Um, what happened was um, I had the Vega. I had a gentleman build me a 63 Corvette and the Corvette was what gave me the foundation of my colors on my race car. Now, um, then eventually I realized I'm running the, the super gas category with the little Vega. That's not very consistent car. So I decided to move the Corvette into super gas and I built the dragster. Then we started dabbling a little bit with, uh, the, the Corvette in top uh, actually won my first divisional with a corvette and then at the end of uh july i received i ordered a camaro i would say in october of let's see uh i ordered a, the cor the, the camaro and it came in in the middle of the year that i was parading my number 71 and um it was a surprise to everybody i hadn't had not told anybody not even my traveling partner chip rumus knew that i was getting a new car so i debuted it in june of 09 and it's been my car ever since in top sportsman and the cars run super gas a couple times i enjoyed it i was running super gas in vegas going 190 and then i ran it in super gas in pomona and it was going 193 at 990 index that's kind of amazing. Um, remind remind our listeners who built it because I know you're you're pretty proud of uh, the work and and I've seen it up close. It's a beautiful machine. Who who built that for you, Thank Joe? You. The the car is built by Jerry Bickle and it's been back to his shop several times to upgrade it and you know get the you know the Himes and all that stuff changed and put to new. Mm-hmm. You know I've changed the suspension with him a couple times. Um, yes, Jerry Bickle built the car. I'm running a Sunny Leonard uh, 688 cubic inch fuel injected fuel injected Sunny Hemi, like I call it. Okay. And well, then I use a I use a Rosser Trans, and pretty much uh, that's where I'm at with that. Gotcha. I think what I think is also unique about your car, and we talked a little bit about it off the air, but you you really can run three classes with that that car right you can run top sportsman um because you're not spraying it um it, because you're not spraying you can run super gas and then you can also run comp eliminator is that right correct correct my uh i let's see i've been running uh sunny's motor since 2012 
and we got together and I said, uh, I'd really like to run Top Sportsman and Complementator without changing much to my car. So we decided, okay, my car's very light. And with a 688, I can be uh, up to 2,235 pounds. And that's what my car weighs. So right now my car is a legal AAA car. And when I started this with a little 632, I was 250 under. But with this Hemi, I'm probably going to be in the 60 under range. Okay. That's uh yeah that's that's. I believe that the, I believe the index in AAA for me would be seven sixteen, and my cars run as quick as uh, six fifty. So you know, I mean, it puts me in. I could be competitive. I just I'm scared of race, racing comp anymore, just because if they you know they come and pump me or it pumps wrong, and I don't want to take my head off, they'll suspend me for a year. So right. I chose not to run that category anymore. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge with comp, right? And uh, I give comp guys and super stock guys, all all those guys a lot of credit because um, you know, they're they're pulling that stuff apart pretty consistently for you yeah. know, what could be no good reason, right? Uh, just anybody gets a hair up the right. Button, and, so. and I don't feel like taking apart a motor that's running fine. Yes. You know, I just stick to my category. And the reason I started dabbing a little bit into uh Comp Eliminator was that Pomona is an hour from my home, mm-hmm. from my former home, and um, there was no, I didn't want to run Super Gas, Super Comp, and I thought that it would be competitive, you know, a little bit with uh, the, the, the I'm sorry, Super Comp. I want to run Comp Eliminator yep. and, um, you know, see what I can do in that category. I raced uh, that one year, I think it was 2013, I raced, I got eight races, I run it up at one race, so thought it did good yeah very very well um and let's let's talk a little bit more about your car so it's a it's a 68 camaro right that's the that's correct. the correct body style um we mm-hmm. mentioned the bickle car let's talk a little bit about the paint scheme because the paint scheme is pretty cool and uh, it's got a unique feature that i, I want to dig in with you i'm happy to have you on because i want to talk about this a little bit more okay my Camaro pretty much is a carbon copy of my brother's uh, 67 Camaro that he had in 1971. He had that black with flames the same way. So I thought I would do a tribute to my brother and, um, and paint it pretty much the same way. And, okay, so my car basically is black-based. Uh-huh. The front of the car is purple, switches over to magenta, and then switches over to orange. And um, I decided... To put an Indian Chief with the main, all the same colors as the scoop. I mean, on the scoop with the same colors as the Camaro has all over the paint job. That's the that's the cool piece that I notice right away. Every time I'm I'm watching, I know it's your car because I see the big Chief on the on the scoop and and um, yeah, I'm an Illinois guy, so all my life I grew up rooting for the University of Illinois and the big Chief. So man, the second I see your hood Ooh. scoop out there, I start rooting. Thank you so much. Uh, it has been interesting to have that on my scoop. Uh, I could probably have paid off for my paint job for all the people that take pictures of it. <laughs> Pretty intricate. Uh, the guy, Doug Starbuck from Starbuck Designs, uh, did that for me. And this is like my fifth scoop. And every time he gets a little bit more detail. And this is the best of the best in my grouping of scoops where I pick the best features of it. And it's beautiful beautiful job he did for me i'm I'm, you know happy that he communicated with me and he did exactly what he wanted to do so 
Right. Um, I, I kind of thought you would maybe tell me that you had a, a Pontiac block in there or something like that when, uh, you know, when I first noticed the, the chief, but it's, uh, it's because of the big chief heads, right? That was kind of your inspiration. I big chief, I, when I was running super gas, I had a set of big chief heads and a buddy of mine said, Hey, why don't you put an Indian pewter big chief type deal? It, it's, you know, kind of fitting since you have big chief heads. So that we went with that. So in, Great suggestion by my buddy Daryl Mitchell. Yeah, he helped me out with that. Yeah, that that that's great. Um, and you and you mentioned the car is painted um, like your brother's car was originally. Has um, correct. I, I, I don't want to get too deep, but um, how does he come out and race with you? Does he see the car in, in the form? He's my biggest a- fan. I, I I my brother. I cannot believe it. He just drove from Miami area to Virginia to watch me PDRA. He's driven already from Miami to North Carolina where I race. He flies all over the country just to watch me race. My biggest fan. Oh, that's, that's great. Well, that helps then that you're a little bit closer, right? Cause, uh, you were thousands of miles away, um, you know, Miami to California. And now you're, you're in, I think in the panhandle, is that where Niceville's at right now? Correct. The panhandle. I'm still far enough. I don't want to get too close to my brother. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. 10 hours is 10 hours will make some of the brothers think about driving. So that's where I want it to be. <laughs> right. You yeah. Know? I mean, obviously I'm saying that I don't get along with one of them or something. You know, and he lives in Florida. So. Right. Yeah. No, you, it's just far enough away that, uh, they call to make sure you're going to be there. Right. And so you get Correct. a little heads up. Correct. Yeah. No, that that's good. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tony, Tony, he travels everywhere and he's driving. He's not flying. He's driving to all these places. And I was also, you know, lucky enough to have uh, one of my brother's kids who's married. They they drove up to Virginia too, so I had a, you know a good cheering section for me. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I mean, and and I think it's really important because we we put a lot of hard work into this stuff, and um, sometimes it feels like we're the only people that notice all the hard work. So that's that's pretty cool when you you see you know have family members or other fans show up i think that's very very cool correct i agree with you 100 percent. yeah now you've you've made the move so let's talk a little bit about that you made the move from the west coast to the the east coast now to run a a few more pdra series um events what was the what sparked it for you to to think hey i want to try the pdra what was the what was the kind of an enticing thing for you to check that out well Brian Laflamme and I have been talking about racing PDRA for, I would say, two to three years. Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other. He just sold his business, so he's able to travel a lot more for a lot longer times. Mm-hmm. And um, we just said, hey, 2021 is the year we're going to go back east and see what we can do. Have fun is the key to everything, and uh, that's what we're doing. We're just having fun. And it's, like I said, bucket list from the get-go. It's all, you know, you you. I've watched so many times. I'm really close with Glenn Butcher, and he's been going to some PDRAs, and I'll sit at my desk and watch the whole show, and it's very impressive, very impressive show. Right, yeah, I agree. PDRA puts on. I agree. Well, um, yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? Um, You've got yourself, uh, Brian LaFlamme, who's been on. uh, Doug Crumlich just made the move to the East Coast. Um, Correct. So, you know, you've you've got – 
some what I would consider very heavy hitters in the D7 ranks, top sportsmen, all, all moving east. And, and so that D7 area, I think, will be opened up, um, you know, over the next year or so to somebody to, you know, make a run there that, um, you know, with you guys maybe out of the way a little bit. I don't know if that's uh, – I mean, there's I, great you know racers what? out there. I'm honored there. that you say that, but there's a lot of good racers out there. You got that Brian Wars, that opens, Rich – Pokerman. I mean, yeah. there's so many guys, you know, Jeff Gillette, they're all really good friends of mine. They're all really, really good racers. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to let them, you know, say that, Hey, Joe's gone. We can win it now. I'm, you know, I mean, I appreciate the good confidence that you have in me being a hitter type deal. I never thought myself of that, but <laughs> anyways, with that, we have a lot of good racers and I'm sure somebody's going to take over and have, you know, Brian's been, Brian war has been really on a streak the last two or three years. So I would think that, you know, and, and by the way, I heard also that he's not hitting the division sevens. So I, I ran into him in Dallas, I believe. And he told me that he's keeping his car in the Midwest. So there's another good time racer. That's not racing division seven, right? Division seven has a lot of issues. Uh, California, the way it's handling the COVID and all that stuff, they, you know, they've, massaged the schedule a bunch of times um they actually took away our double header that i wasn't going to attend anyways but they you know for the guys they took the double header at sonoma way and sure they moved it and pretty much they're you know i would say my guys out there are going to be exposed to a lot of heat since they're going to be racing uh pomona in the middle of the summer and it's been 95 degrees in in la area and they're gonna have to go to phoenix when it's going to be 110 so I feel bad for my guys since the schedule is being screwed up, but you know, COVID has screwed up everybody's lives. So. Man, yeah, that that's no doubt. I mean, that that has, and and that's no dis- disrespect for any of the Division Seven guys out there. I know it's it's tough racing everywhere. I mean, um, but uh, but it is interesting. It seems like uh, it, it seems like more and more I'm hearing that. So I just kind of popped the top of my head that uh, you you and you know Brian and. And uh, crummy, all of you guys kind of making makes making more moves out there. Um, and then you mentioned, you know, meeting guys well, like Glenn Butcher and and those guys in the PDRA. I thought absolutely. that was interesting. Um, I mean, this just this weekend alone, I got to know Donnie Urban. You know, I mean, great guys. You know, you see them on on the results. You see them being successful. And we, you know, I like to put a face with the name. And mm-hmm. You know, I did that with Glenn, you know, I mean, I always knew about Glenn, but I never met him. I went to Norwalk one day, he came over, we became great friends, and, you know, we'll travel together sometimes, and uh, stay at his home for a couple times, you know, a great, great, great person. Um, that's a, that's what's the big thing about racing. You get to meet people all over the place, and they become friends, you know, a little bit more than acquaintances. And um, going back to the California deal, the problem back there is that NHRA is the only game in town. Right. You come back out east, you got the mid Midwest Promods, you have PDRA, to a certain extent, NMCA, ADRL, mm-hmm. and NHRA. So, um, you know, I have my, you know, I can play more if I wanted to, play less. I can do whatever I want. I have choices now. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And competition's good from that standpoint. It makes everybody raise their game. And, and that's, that's mm-hmm. really good. I think we'll talk a little bit about, uh, the rest of your schedule. Cause you qualified for the Jags all-stars again. So how does, how does that, Correct. uh, 
maneuver your schedule then? I mean, I don't know if you had that on your calendar at the beginning of the year or not, but uh, but you've, you've had a pretty busy year moving across country uh, on top of all of that. Correct. Um, the schedule for me the rest of the year, I'm going to finish up going to the last three uh, PDR races. I'm in a good position. I'm like eighth, and I think I can finish. You know, if I do well, I, I don't think anybody's going to catch Nick. Um, but, uh, you know, top five would be great on my first full year racing with them, you know, and missing two races would be phenomenal if I could do that. Right. I'm going to give it a go. Um, yes, Indy was not in my schedule. The big goal was not on our schedule, Brian's and my schedule at the beginning of the year. But since I qualified for the all-stars, we decided to, uh, go to it, you know, um, so that's part of our schedule. And I'm planning also on going to uh, the Charlotte National Meet while we're in in uh, North Carolina. Okay. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Charlotte and Galat are back-to-back weekends. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So that makes sense, right? That makes mm-hmm. sense from that standpoint. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, that'll be good. Um, I'll look forward to seeing you in person then when you get to Indy and um, try to win another JEGS championship, right? I'm going to give it a go, Uh, do the best I can for the team, do the best I can for myself. And the bottom line is I want to go and have fun and enjoy it and hang out with guys that I've met all over. There's a, you know, that's the good thing about Indy. You see people from all over the country, all in one place instead of having to travel and be in their division. So pretty much a lot of people travel to Indy. Yeah, that, that, that's no doubt. I mean, um, it's the big go for a reason, and you are so right about there just being so many good dudes in drag racing um, that is, uh, man, it, it, it's why people get addicted to this, Joe. It's why, you know, why we keep doing this and work long hours and spend the money we do because there's good people involved, and it makes it all worth it. Absolutely, and you know what? I don't know many sports that um, it actually happened at PDRA. I don't know to the extent, but I believe – that there was a pro nitrous team or pro boost team. And the guy scattered his motor and, on the last qualifier, and I believe he didn't have the parts to get back together. The guy that he was going to race first round the next day offered and helped him put the motor in, and that's what I'm bottom lining is. People help each other, and I might have to race that person I just helped, right. or might have to race the person that just helped me get back on the track. So. It's great because you're friends the whole time, and when you get into the water box, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> from the water box to the to uh, getting off the track, you're not friends. Yeah, no. Friends. I, then I you agree. go back, and I might have just beat my best friend, which has happened to me. I've raced Brian several times, and I've raced my buddy Randy Balo. He's my partner back in California. You know, we've had to race each other beat each other up on the track, and then we get off the track, we give a hug to each other and go drink a beer right. eventually. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, I, I've been involved in many other sports, uh, you know, college basketball, different different competitive level sports, and I've never seen anything like what I see in drag racing. And, you know, to your point about competitors helping each other, I mean, you would never see that if uh, if a guy forgets his shoes in basketball. Tough luck playing socks. I'm beating your butt, you know. And that's not how it works in racing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's Correct. that's really good, really good. Well, hey, we um, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I've been excited to talk to you for a long time, and I, I appreciate the opportunity. Wish you well with the rest of the season, and uh, you know your travel. I know you're finishing up a shop there, so. 
Uh, good luck with that. That's probably exciting times for you as well. And then uh, just travel yeah. safe, and, and we'll look forward to seeing you here in Indy, huh? I appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to seeing you too at Indy. And uh, thank you. I'm, I'm honored that you asked me to do this interview. And, again, we'll see you at Indy. No, that's that's great. Uh, travel safe, and we we wish you well um, from all all the listeners as well, um, guys, girls. That was the great Joe Rubichek. If you need him. Today's half track report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. You know that, as always, if you have legal needs, get your butt to DragRaceLawyer.com. Let Ed Harney help you out there. All right, guys, girls, we have a lot of racing action that happened last week. Really good stuff. Um, So let's start on the East Coast. That is the PDRA Summer Nationals at VMP. Man, uh, a great event there. Rain forced them to finish on Sunday. But Tyler and the crew worked like mad to make sure they got that done. And they had a beautiful race car surface on Sunday after they worked really hard to get that done. And they've got to. I mean, they have a lot of high-power cars that go down that track. And, man, um, they got to work hard, and they do. You cannot ever act like Tyler or Crossno and the crew aren't working hard to make sure you have a good surface because they absolutely do. And so what happens when you set that reputation and you set that standard for yourself, what happens is you get cars. So for instance, there were 58 cars that showed up uh, in Top Sportsman at this event. I mean, it's just a great show, really. So your elite Top Sportsman takes 16 cars. Your number one qualifier was John Benoit. He runs a 384.6 at 199. He is continually challenging for that top spot, and John Benoit gets it done. Your bump spot was Barry Danilek. Uh, he travels from Alberta, Canada to go 399 with a 9 and makes that an all three second field. Now, uh, what I'm told is that uh, Barry's car is potentially the fastest naturally aspirated car in existence. Um, so um, that that's impressive that he's going 399 with a 9 uh, naturally aspirated. Really impressive. Uh, but that's a heck of a bump spot for that field. Your winner is Donnie Urban Hollywood getting it done over Henry Underwood when Henry Underwood goes red. So congrats to Donnie Urban for getting the win in elite top sportsman at the PDRA event. On the top dragster side, your number one qualifier was Brian McCaddy. He goes 382.2 at 192 miles per hour. And your bump spot is Al Miller. He goes a 422 with a zero. So um, the top sportsman, much faster bump than the top dragster, although the top dragster crew was really solid as well. And your winner is Tom Martino over Nick Hamilton. In the final, Tom is 17 dead nine for the win light and the 660 man trophy. Uh, big win for Tom Martino, nicely done there on the elite top dragster side. Now continuing on to the top sportsman side at PDRA, There were 42 cars left that didn't make the top elite field. 
And so there, there are 32 spots in that. So that sent 10 to the bracket bash. I mean, really what's happened in the PDRA is even the bracket bash is fun to watch because there's fast cars there. At 10 of those cars trying to get in top sportsmen were sent to the bracket bash. But your number one qualifier was Steve Gronkowski. He goes 4.012 at 187 miles per hour to be your number one qualifier in their regular top sportsman or top sportsman 32 field. The bump spot was Mark Payne's 4.43 with an 8. I mean, that is incredibly stout. That is 32 cars within 42 hundredths of a second. Uh, impressive. It's an impressive group uh, top to bottom. But your winner was Chevy Floyd over Marty Dabney. Marty had some problems, and Chevy gets the win light. I mean, what a name. My man, uh, Chevy. I know a Camaro. Um, he, that's his first name. That's pretty good. Chevy is pretty nice as well. So uh, nicely done to everybody on the top sportsman side. And then on the top dragster side, there were 31 cars for that 32-car field. Wayne Patton goes 426 with a zero for the top spot. Dickie Smith in the final over Ricky Molnar. Ricky Molnar was late. And Dickey was going to be a tough out anyway, though. He is 12 on the tree and gets the win for your top dragster. 32 winner in at VMP is Dickey Smith. So congrats to all those people. I mean, it, it was a great show. I was uh, I had fun watching it, even though they had to finish up on Sunday. All right, moving west a little bit. Let's take a stop in Columbus, Ohio. That's where the NHRA had their Division Three event. They had first off the JEGS Sports Nationals. We had uh, Mike Coughlin on last week to tell you a little bit about all that goes into the JEGS Sports Nationals and JEGS Speed Week. And your number one qualifier in that event was Lester Johnson. He runs a 6.25.5 at 231 miles an hour. I mean... Really flying and always challenging for the top spot with that speed. But your winner was Jerry Albert over Chris Osborne. I mean, this is a really a great race. I mean, you know what Jerry Albert can do behind the wheel of a car. And Chris Osborne is, um, man, having a great season as well. But this this race was impressive. They're both dialed 662. So that's a heads up look, which is perfect. I absolutely love that. Jerry is 15 on the tree, dead four for his fifth national event win. I mean, pretty pretty deadly there. I mean, 19 total pack that way. And then Chris Osborne in that pack spring 69 Camaro has really made strides this year. I've noticed that he keeps improving his finishing positions, and I will not be surprised to see him park it in the winner circle very, very soon. But that was a great final. I mean, that was just an amazing final, really. Um, on the top dragster side, there are 21 cars. Uh, your number one qualifier was Blake Peevler from Olney, Illinois. He goes 612 with a three, 227.84 miles per hour for the very top spot in a, in a stout field there. And your winner is Blake Peevler over Tyson Fabish. Uh, Blake has a whole shot advantage and takes it all the way home for his first national event win. I know his dal, dad, Al, is incredibly proud of his son, Blake, getting it done in C-Bus. Uh, I had a chance to talk with Al earlier in the year, and he told me that you know he really thought Blake was ready to break out at any moment. 
that he had been very detailed in his approach and really thought that both their cars would be a threat at any point in time this year. And Al was absolutely right. Blake makes it happen in Columbus, taking the Wally Parks Trophy back to the land of the White Squirrels in Olney, Illinois. So congrats to everybody there. Now, they finished up that that uh, Division Three event kind of later in the event in the week because of rain. They had to push through some stuff, uh, really hustled. There were a little bit shorter staff um, from a car standpoint, entry point uh, for the Division Three event later in the week. You know that's a double. You don't have to travel, but you do have to travel back home at some point. And uh, your number one qualifier, no. No surprise there. Lester Johnson gets it done again. 618.4 at 233 miles an hour. And then your winner is Billy Tolman over Steve Yeager. Billy is dialed 662. So that must have been the key. Just dial 662 and you can go to the finals and top sportsman in Columbus. Steve is dialed 673. Both end with a 34,000 package. So it's virtually a dead tie. Billy Tolman must be living right though. Because he gets the wind light and the Wally by one ten thousandths of a second. Really amazing. Uh, really phenomenally great race by those two. I mean, if you looked at the time slips, you would have said it was a dead heat. Um, great race by both those guys, Billy Toman and Steve Yeager. On the top dragster side, there were 16 cars. So that makes for a nice, uh, nice field that way. Um, you've got Phil Oakley doing the honors and getting that number one spot. He goes 6'10 with a three at 232 miles an hour. Uh, but your winner is JB Strasweg over Al Peevler. JB has the starting line advantage in the final and holds off Al from from really it really stops the Peevlers from absolutely dominating the whole top dragster weekend um but uh, JB nicely done he's got that new car new for this year anyway and he's got it sorted out and really could be a handful for anyone in the other lane for the rest of the season so congrats to JB Strasweg for getting it done in division three winning winning that event there um, and then we go west even further. Let's go to the NHRA National Event in Bandemir Speedway, Denver, Colorado, the Mile High Nationals. Top Sportsman had 12 cars. Your number one qualifier was Jimmy Lewis. He goes 681.4 at 205 miles an hour. Now keep in mind, they are at altitude, and it is just a little tougher to make horsepower up there. But uh, Jimmy Lewis goes 681.4 and ultimately finds the winner's circle, parks it there. He beats Dwayne Doffing in the final when Dwayne turns it red. So congrats to Jimmy Lewis for going wire to wire, top spot to the winner's circle in top sportsman at Bandemir. Finally, on the top dragster side, they had 26 cars um, high on the mountaintop. Your number one qualifier, my man, Ross Gregory, goes 6'10 with a 9 at 230.96 miles per hour. Ross is the last man standing, literally. He gets to the semifinals before he bows out, but he is the only dude in the semifinals there. So Ross is the last man standing, but the winner was Kerry Stark over Betsy Peak. Betsy being a little aggressive and goes double O three red to finish her day and uh, to... Uh, let Kerry Stark go get the wind light and the Wally up on the mountain at Bandemir Speedway. Now, next week, 
We will talk about the national event in Sonoma. We will get you updated on the Division One event in Numidia, Pennsylvania, and the double in Topeka, Kansas, that NHRA Division Five event there. All of that coming to you next week. All right, as we hit the mile per hour cone here today, let's let's talk a little bit about what went down in Bandemir this last weekend. First of all, they went to the mountaintop and they had a full house, which was great to see. If you saw some of the pictures of that packed stands, that was really fun to see. Um, you know, the fact that they packed that place after last year was really good stuff. I mean, they deserve this. Um, last year was just a pain in day, uh, but for them, um, they had to fight with the state and the county to allow people on the property. You know, even though it's been proven time and time again that the transmission of the Rona is not being done outdoors, that did not seem to matter to anybody in a political position in the state of Colorado. Um, so they had that going against them, but they duked it out. So good for them that they hung in there and that the people in the state of Colorado got out and supported the track and were able to witness history. And what history they know they witnessed was this. Brittany Force going bonkers, setting a new ET record up on the mountain. Um, she, Brittany uh, launches hard and sets uh, history by running a track ET record. Um, she goes... She goes um, 3.717 seconds at 326 miles per hour uh, to the 1,000 foot. She had a 0.828 second 60 foot. I mean, that's just absolutely unreal. And runs 371.7, miles per hour for the number one spot overall in the best track record of all time there. So very, very cool. Now, Give her some credit. She's rolling with some good company. The old man there has almost 800 events under his belt and almost 2,000 round wins. I mean, the old man, John Force, is just unbelievable. When it comes statistically, it is hard to imagine anybody being ever better. I mean, he's got 153 event wins. Man, uh, just, and it, it's crazy. My dad always told me this is, uh, you you can do this sport at any age, and even at the age he's doing it now, you can tell um, giving giving all the tips to the kid, Brittany Force. So nicely done. Uh, all the folks out at Bandemir that got it done, nicely done to the Force camp for getting it done. And keep it absolutely rolling. That's good for the sport. That is good for all of us uh, when people continue to come out. So nicely done to the NHRA as well for, um, you know, working hard and bringing that whole crew back to action and bringing a great event uh, back to Bandemere Speedway. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 75. And there it is. There it is. Look up the sweet, sweet sounds of Gloria. Back to normal. All things right in the world. And the wind light. We like it. The wind light, baby. Um, 
guys, girls, we had a great week this week. Um, we talked about, uh, man, all the good stuff that happens at a at a, a racetrack, the friends you meet. We talk about how we can maybe make our planet just a little better by sending those roadsters into outer space. That would be good. Um, we got down with the latest race results. Man, we had a lot of action that way to cover for you. And then we had Joe Rubicek, uh, man. Jack, all-star winner, uh, really being aggressive and killing it on the PDRA scene and and division former Division Seven champion multi times over. So he was just a great guest to have on. Really appreciate his time this week. Um, but uh, man, that was that was really good stuff. Um, I think we well earned the win light this week, folks. Uh, we certainly did. If you have comments, questions, or curse words for me, you always know there are three ways to get at me. You can hit the Facebook page using Messenger. You can find me, uh, you know, dragging around the Elon Musk Tesla facility, probably checking things out, seeing how I can light that place on fire. And then you can also use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer manufacture and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, Think AFCO Racing Products. Hey, Rex. You sure had me going with the uh, roadsters in space running off the aliens. That's one way to scare them off, I guess. Chris, I'm not even joking. I mean, that is the foolproof plan to stop aliens from, you know, invading or just 
coming down and, and generally mucking things up for us. Let's send all the ugly roadsters into orbit. Let's just torpedo them. I don't know how Musk does it. I don't know how that dude does it. But let's get a hold of Elon Musk. Let's torpedo all the roadsters into space and then just junk it up. So, you know, the aliens just take the next exit. I think that's a brilliant plan. And, uh, and at some point, somebody's going to realize it's it's genius.